Hi, I'm David Stoker, and I want to welcome you to the Better Life and Recovery hashtag Hope Dealer Movement podcast. As a visible and vocal member of the recovery community since 2009, I'm frequently asked questions and for advice from people all the time. Some are curious, some are still using, some are in recovery, and some people just care about somebody who's currently struggling with a hurt habit or hangout. If people in my community have those questions, I guarantee that people everywhere are looking for answers as well. We started this podcast to give you answers and support because not only is recovery real, it is amazing. Hope you enjoy the show. So I think today uh, I'm just going to, I don't know, I went to a train a couple different trainings recently and I'm going to talk about a couple of the, uh, the things that they talked about there when it comes to community organizing, what a community organizer is, because I think those are important qualities that every single one of us should have. Um, I actually think next week I am going to do, uh, I think I'm going to try doing what I call the locker room, which is a lot of keys to recovery. I'm going to try to start bringing in some of those keys to recovery. But for today, um, hi, my name is David, and I would like to welcome you to Better Life and Recovery. Um, today we're going to be talking about a couple different things. Um, one of the things, I, like I said, that I want to talk about is some of the information that I recently got from a training that I went to. I was pretty happy with it. Um, actually, I was extremely happy with the training. Uh, we had a national trainer. His name's Michael King. He used to do uh, national... Uh, he was a political organizer, and he worked on national campaigns. And now, he, through the... Oh, my gosh. It's the name of the really big hotel chain. Uh, through the Hilton Foundation... Um, he is doing a communities project and he's done, I think 53 communities somewhere around there. He's done 53 trainings in, uh, around the entire United States. And he was up here Thursday in Springfield and then Friday in St. Louis. And he talked about a couple different things, uh, that I found really interesting, but for starters, he said community organizing is listening. And I think that's a huge key for just about any of us. There's lecturing, and then there's teaching, and then there's listening. And there's a lot of really good lecturers out there, but there's not a lot of really good teachers out there because of their lecturers. I think uh, lecture in and of itself can be beneficial for some people. It depends on what you're wanting to do, but if you're really wanting to build people up, listening becomes very, very important. You know, asking people questions. I can sit there and tell somebody what they need to do all day long, but that's what I need them to do. It might not be what they need to do. And I've often found that me giving my advice and my values and putting them on other people can be detrimental. Uh, you may have somebody who, you know, uh, an example of that. I had a, a guy a long time ago that just came in to uh, a Celebrate Recovery group that we were doing. And there's music in the Celebrate Recovery group. And he came in with his girlfriend. They were homeless. Great guy. Uh, had a master's degree. It's when I learned the difference between that there's different types of homeless people. He is what I would call a hobo. And a hobo is somebody that doesn't have a criminal history. Uh, it's somebody that doesn't have... A, a, may not have mental health substance use issues at all. And when I saw somebody homeless, I immediately thought, well, they're homeless. I really need to take care of this person. So me taking care of that person was helping them get into a place. 
So they worked really, really hard. They got into housing and I will always remember his girlfriend walking in whenever she found out they were getting into housing. Huge smile on her face. She was so happy, so excited that they were moving into a place. When she came in the next week, I could tell she'd been crying. And I'm like, what's wrong? And she's like, he's gone. And I'm like, who's gone? And she's like, Doc, he just left. He, he disappeared. And I didn't understand it. You know, I'm like, man, here's this person that we got into housing that now has a place to live. This is what he should have wanted. How, to, how could he leave? And a couple weeks later, I was driving along and I saw him walking on the side of the road and I stopped to talk to him. And I'm like, man, what happened? And he was like, you know, he said, I didn't want a place to live. He said, I was happy where I was at. Uh, he said, uh, I don't want people telling me what I have to do, when I have to pay bills, when I have to go to sleep, what time I have to be quiet by. He's like, I can't stand that. That's why I live on the streets. He said, I came in to help you by playing drums. So here was a guy who actually, I thought I was helping him. He didn't want help. He'd actually came in so that we had somebody to play drums on the, uh, the, the worship team that we had before the Celebrate Recovery. And because I didn't listen to him, but instead said, oh, I know what's best for you, it impacted him. I mean, it impacted them very negatively. I mean, it was a multi-year relationship that got broken up, and he went into a place he didn't want to be. But that's neither here nor there, but what I want to talk about is the fact that we need to listen. It's amazing how many brilliant people there are out there that are so busy telling everybody else what they need to do instead of actually listening to people tell them what they want to do. You can work my goals all day long. I will tell you right now, you would probably make just as just as crappy of a me as I would make a crappy you, right? I'm never going to be a good you, but I'm gonna, I can be a really good me if I'm able to live my life self-directed, go after my goals, and not have people sitting there constantly telling me what I need to do. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people that are in the addiction recovery space that are really good at telling everybody what they need to do. The sad thing is, a lot of those people have pretty jacked up lives themselves. You know, um, they're sitting there as a broken tool trying to help and fix other people. And I can tell you right now, it's really hard to fix anything with a broken tool. So if you want to help people, right, start by listening to them. Start by finding out what they're interested in. Like I said, I'm sick and tired of relapse prevention plans. How about recovery enhancement plans? Don't tell them all the horrible, scary things that are out there, but talk to them about what's worked for them in the past, what they like to do, and then get them plugged into positive people, positive places, positive things to do. And that right there is what's going to build somebody's life. Now, they uh, also talked about uh, an organizer's attributes, and that's really what I, I kind of want to talk about today is those attributes, because I think those attributes are super important. So I'll run through all of them, and then I'll run through them one by one. So the attributes that they said they were looking for that, that are the best ones to have are being empathetic, willingness to learn, be thinking strategically, being persistent, being passionate, being committed, being organized, and being determined. So empathy, we all know what empathy is, right? I can actually put myself in somebody else's shoes, and because of that, I tend to have a lot more compassion. I tend to treat people with unconditional positive regard. Uh, unconditional positive regard means 
I believe you have value simply because you exist. You don't have to do what I want you to do. You don't have to fall in line with everything I think you should be doing. But I think empathy is one of the the most important traits. There's that old saying, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You can be the smartest person in the world, but if you're not actively listening to people, and if you're if they don't actually know that you're concerned about them, if they think it's fake, if they think it's about money, if they think it's just a job, um, if they think that you're talking down to them or just trying to be on their level, it's not going to work. It's one of the things about a lot of us. We are amazing at reading people. Um, another story here. <clears throat> Since I got sober, I stopped cussing. I really don't cuss. And I didn't. I was a therapist for years that way. So when I led groups, I didn't cuss and I went on vacation and somebody else took my spot whenever I went on vacation. When I came back after being gone for a week, I was talking to the guys in group when I got back and I was like, so what did you think about the guy who came in? How, how was that? And he, I had a couple of the guys go, you know, we didn't like him. And I'm like, why not? And they're like, because he cussed. And I said, but you guys cuss. And they said, yeah, but he did it just to fit in. So be yourself, be genuine to who you are. There's also a lot of people in this workspace that feel that maybe because they don't, they've never had a substance use disorder, that people aren't going to have respect for them and they're, they're not going to be able to help people. And I will tell you right now, if people know you care about them, if you are genuine and real with people, and if you actually listen to them and treat them with respect, you're going to be able to help those people. It's coming into somebody's life and saying, I care about you. I, I have compassion for you. I love you. You know, maybe not uh, the very first time you sit down with them and meet with them. That might be a little awkward, you know, but honestly, that needs to come across. People need to know how much you care for them. And once they know how much you care for them and that you're real and that you're there to support them, not fix them, that they are uh, somebody, they, there's somebody that they have now, have now have somebody that's going to walk beside them instead of somebody that is going to try to push them or pull them along, now all of a sudden you've got somebody that's going to listen to you and going to have respect for you. So that's what it comes down to in, in that area. And, and it all starts with empathy, right? And I think it's even cooler whenever it's somebody that doesn't have a substance use disorder. I thought the people who didn't have the exact same histories could care less about me, wouldn't want anything to do with me, and to have somebody come into my life and show me compassion and that they care about me just because, just because, right? Not because, oh, I've been down that road too, but simply because I existed, simply because I was having problems and they wanted to support me. Um, being willing to learn, I think, is another big thing. We've got some people that are really good at teaching, but they're going to teach and regurgitate the exact same things over and over and over and over and over again because they're not actively going out and gaining new knowledge themselves. Uh, I used to say that literally I felt that there was one true sin that we could commit, and that was a sin against ourselves. And this is back when I was an agnostic um, before I got saved. I'm like, really, there's only one sin, and that's to die ignorant. Because I think every second that we're alive is a second to gain knowledge. So if I'm not gaining knowledge and I'm staying right where I'm at, I mean, I am thoroughly wasting this opportunity that I have. I have one life. And the last thing I want to do is go through it ignorant, right? So I should want to learn. And 
that may be for some people that may be reading for some people that may be going to online classes for some people that may be going to in-person classes it may be working with a sponsor a mentor um it might be going back to school it might be working in a trade uh it, it might be having a coach that you talk to there's so it could be all of those right um so <laughs> Find what works for you. Find those things. And I will tell you right now, I would grab as many of them as possible because I think that we need to continue learning. Um, Thinking strategically, I think that's a problem a lot of people have is they plan really big, right? There's no real strategy behind what they do. And I know that when we first started what we do, there were things we turned down. Um, when we first started Better Life and Recovery and started getting active, we had people come to us with different projects, and I was like, I'm not going to do that. And they would say, well, why not? Isn't this kind of – you said that you guys are going to come in and help the community and do this and do that. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't have the people to guarantee that's going to happen, and I don't have the money to make that happen. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I'm going to be able to come in. One of the things was going to this group that had almost 100 people coming in every week and preparing food and uh, serving them. So I would have needed to have volunteers to cook food, money for the food, a place to cook the food, and then servers for the food, clean up, all that stuff. And I'm like, I can't do that every single week. I don't have the people for that, right? So don't oversell yourself. Thinking strategically says, you know what? Um, Here's what I'm going to focus on right now, and I'm going to set these goals and build up to it, right? If I've got a 20-step plan, I may tell people, hey, you know what? I've got this great big huge thing we're going to be doing, but by, what is it, May? You know, um, say by June, by the end of June, we're going to have this done. Um, By the end of July, we'll finish goal two. By the end of September, we'll finish goal three. By the end of the year, we will finish goal four. You know, and roll it out that way. Whenever they talk about... uh, Sitting there and building goals, they always say they're supposed to be smart, right? And we all know what a smart goal is. Yes? So, I hope so, because otherwise I'm going to have a lot of problems coming back with it. But, you know, um, but we need to set goals that we can measure, that are consistent, that are, man, now I'm sitting here trying to think of what smart is. Isn't that horrible? So, let's see, smart goals are... M-A-R-T. Isn't that bad? I'm actually having to look it up. And as soon as I see it, I'm going to hit myself in the head. So, ah, goals. Okay. So if you ever need to know what they are, look up SMART. But, um, so the first one is specific. So it needs to be a specific goal. It's not, I'm going to lose weight. It's, I'm going to lose and we'll get through it at the end, okay? We'll look at it at the end. So we'll say specific. It needs to be specific. It can't be broad like, I want to lose weight. Um, It needs to be measurable, right? Like, uh, it can't be, I will make, I will educate more people around the country. Uh, I'll educate more people in Springfield by putting up a billboard. How can I actually measure whether or not people are getting educated or being impacted by the billboard? So it's not really measurable. Um, achievable. That was another one. It needs to be something that that's, I'm going to lose 50 pounds this week. 
right? Because I'm going on a diet, so my goal is to lose 50 pounds that week. Is that achievable? Absolutely not. We changed the R to recovery uh, because I tend to work in recovery, so I want it to be a recovery goal. And the cool thing about recovery is recovery impacts everything right? Um, socially, spiritually, financially, uh, psychologically. Um, I mean, every single aspect of your life is improved through uh, recovery. The reason that we took out what it used to be, it used to be realistic. And uh, what may be realistic for one person may not be realistic for another. And the last thing I want to do when somebody brings a goal to me is tell them, hey, you know what? That's not something you can do right? I would much rather go through a process with them and either them figure out that it's something they can't do or us find something that's very similar that they are able to do. And then the T stands for uh, time sensitive. So it needs to be measurable over time, right? So imagine my goal is to, to put on, uh, say it's to lose 50 pounds. We'll just do that because that's, that's an easy one. To, to break down like this is 50 pounds specific yes is it measurable yes is it achievable yes is it time-based i don't know and maybe 50 pounds if i want to time base it i'm going to put it over a specific amount of time so maybe what i should do is shrink that thing down because it's achievable but it's achievable over time and i want to have little steps along the way to cheer me on so maybe instead of I'm going to lose 50 pounds, my goal becomes um, starting, say we'll start June 1st. Starting June 1st, I will lose a pound a week. And my goal is to lose 50 pounds by May 30th, January, February, March, April, May, never mind, May 31st of 2000, you know, of 2020. So now I have a specific goal, losing a pound every single week uh, for the next year. I have a measurable goal, one pound. I have an achievable goal because it is possible, it's very possible to lose a pound a week. Um, it is it recovery? It depends. Uh, we've had some people say um, goals should be whenever there's problems. And it losing 50 pounds may not be a problem for some people until something pops up that makes it a problem. Because losing 50 pounds may not be a problem until maybe I go to ride a roller coaster ride, which I did with my son, which happened. And I had to do the walk of shame because my, my belly was too large for me to fasten the seatbelt on the ride, right? That's a problem. Uh, I was not able to ride a ride with my son. And now when my daughter, who's big, who's tall enough to ride the ride now, goes, she has to ride that ride with my wife because I can't ride it with her. At least my son now can ride it all by himself because he's tall enough. So that created a problem that I had to work on. So we'll move away from that, but, but have a strategy, right? And with that strategy, make sure that it's something you can do. Don't overpromise. Don't oversell. And I see people do that all the time. Um, we, we were working with a uh, community through uh, Facing Addiction that was wanting to start a, uh, well, actually, it wasn't through Facing Addiction. It was, um, it was back home. Okay, anyway, we had a group that was working to set up a recovery community center, and they started promoting that it was going to open up on X date, right? 
like say anyway it doesn't really matter what the date was but they're like hey this is our opening date they didn't even have a place yet they didn't have funding yet and they were already telling people when they were going to open up the recovery community center so what kind of strategy is that because if i tell people i'm going to open on this date this recovery community center on this date and then when it gets to that date it doesn't happen now all of a sudden i have lost trust of people I have sat there and instead of being strategic, I have set up goals that I can't accomplish. And because of that, I lose uh, relevance. I lose validity in the community. Uh, community organizers don't do that. Community organizers are going to sit there and be strategic enough to say, listen, if I do 50 things really well and one thing crappy, everybody's going to talk about that one crappy thing. If I set 20 goals and I make 19 of them and don't hit that 20th one, guess what? Everybody's only going to talk about that 20th one. So strategy is very important. It's why hopefully if you are doing, if you are a community organizer, you're surrounding yourself with really, really smart people that have done these things. You know, I'm in the middle of building a board right now and I'm not trying to surround myself with a bunch of Davids. Um, a, I, I, I need a much better looking board. Just kidding. As my wife glares at me. But anyway, no, but seriously, um, I don't want a board full of people like me. I want a board of people that are a lot smarter than me. I want a board of people that have a lot more skills than I do, abilities than I do. I want people that have actually done these things before because the last thing I want to do is build something, is build something, a dream just to my level. I want people around that are going to make it even more incredible, right? And... I am finding those people that are going to take this, this plan that I originally had and make it something so much bigger than I ever thought it would be. Um, I'm surrounding, you know, strategy is surrounding yourself with people that are going to tell you no instead of you being in the person in control. I mean, that's the great thing about a board, right? A board is there. Uh, there's what Jerry Faldwell uh, is this guy who uh, he's one of those nice televangelists and he has a board full of his cousins and relatives and friends. He doesn't have people that feel comfortable telling him no. He doesn't have people that will tell him no. So if you want to be strategic, if you want to have a strategy, have a strategy that includes people that are going to call you out and that are going to introduce you to people you would never meet and that are going to give you support you would never have. It's almost like recovery, right? I don't want people just like me in my recovery. I want people way up here. You know, uh, the amazing thing, I used to think that the only people that could help me were people who had used drugs, but oh my gosh, I've met people that my wife has never used. She's 47. She's celebrating 47 years of recovery. She's lived life on life's terms her entire life. Obviously, I can learn stuff from her too, right? So don't, don't knock people out of that uh, of that mentor role, that friend role, that uh, uh, accountability partner role, just because they may not have uh, the same background that you have, just because they haven't made the same mistakes you have. Honestly, I don't want people that made the same mistakes I have. I already know how to make those, and I already know how to build myself out of it, right? Because I've had that opportunity. Now I surround myself with a bunch of people that, that come from various walks of life, not just the walk of life I come from. That's how I'm going to build stuff. Be persistent. Don't give up. But I will tell you this. If you're not strategic, people are going to give up on you. That's why strategy comes in. Uh, be passionate with everything you do. 
don't do something you don't care about. And that's the other thing about the board that I've built is uh, I don't have anybody that's on my board that either isn't in recovery has a, or has a family member in recovery has been impacted by it. I wouldn't fill holes just to fill holes. So if I'm a community organizer, my passion should come across. When somebody hears me speak, they, they should get excited about what I'm talking about too. Uh, not just the sycophants and the people that the, the, the follower alongs and, and the students, but the people on the outside, the people up here. Uh, people should be jumping in to get involved with what you're doing if you have that passion. And if you tell your story well. And telling your story is a completely different thing. That was also talked about in the training. Um, being committed. If this is my cause and this is my cause, right? Uh Addiction and recovery, that's my cause. That's my thing. I am committed to it to the point that, well, probably an unhealthy point, some people would say. Uh, we were talking about balance at, at a meeting that I went to the other day. And when it got to me, I was just like, you know, I got to tell you, I don't have balance in my life. Um, I'll be the first person to tell you that. Um, when I talked, it's why uh, I don't sponsor people. It's why... Uh, I mean, I don't even have time. It's why I don't have time to mentor people because I'm gone three to five days a week. And then when I get back, I try to spend some time with my family plus pro social activities and everything else. Um, that, <sighs> committed to a, a sad place, you know, um, is where some people take it because there's also no self-care. At least we have self-care, right? We have vacations. We have people we talk to, people that we help. But... Um, <clears throat> But it's my hobby. It's my job, my hobby, it's my pastime, it's anything and everything I do. And I think it takes that kind of commitment to get something going. I will tell you, if you have communities that have super committed, super passionate people, you're going to have a successful project. Um, and if your project keeps failing over and over again then there's probably some issues there, either with you or maybe the people that you are surrounding yourself with. Um, be organized. Do stuff on time. If you say you're going to be somewhere, show up there. Um, if you tell somebody something's going to start at a certain time, make sure that it starts at that time. Don't let people down. Don't say you're going to do something and then not be there because people will start to doubt your word. Um, and that's important on so many different levels. It's important on a macro level, a meso level, and a micro level. It doesn't matter what level it's at. It doesn't matter if I'm meeting one-on-one -on -one with somebody and I tell them that I'm going to be there for my appointment and then I don't show up. I've just disrespected them. You know, I can't tell you how many therapists I know that would show up late for one-on-ones, but yet they would write up other people for showing up late for one-on-ones. Listen, um, don't expect people to treat you with more respect than you treat them with. So be organized, be on time, do those things. And finally, be determined, right? I, I think that almost goes with being committed, but determined means that I'm um, like the, the little engine that could. And there's so many amazing people that are out there doing those things, right? And there's so many amazing people out there that are, that are making great things happen. And there's so many people out there that are saying, listen, I want to do this and I'm going to do this by da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And to me, you can tell a leader <laughs> based on the trust you can have in them, right? 
um, based on listening to their words and making sure that their that their words match up by looking at their plans and saying that their plans match up. I mean, that's one thing I loved about the Recovery Community Center. Um, we sat there and we said, listen, we want to have it open. We want to have a grand opening for our recovery community center um, during recovery month in September. So, you know, when we opened up our recovery community center, we opened it up in May. We had a soft opening months before we had our hard opening um, because I'm not going to miss a date, right? Um, I didn't plan too big. I didn't shoot for the moon, right? Uh, it started off, we had just a couple people that came together and they were paying money to support the uh, Springfield Recovery Community Center. And then over time, we've added grants and employees and everything else. You know, but literally it started off with some amazing people um, from some amazing organizations. And then we had some amazing volunteers on top of it, right? Uh, we had people uh, like... Uh, you know, I would say Kim Wilson was one of the linchpins when we first started it. You know, we had somebody coming in that ran the desk and was there so that we could keep the doors open that put in so many hours of her time. Uh, we had people like Michelle Dove and Alan Fish who were paying bills that I couldn't afford to pay, even though I wanted the place to go. I came in and with the passion and the uh, connections and found people that were able to come in with the money and then had people that believed in what we were doing and utilized those people. And then we started to grow. And as you start to grow, everything expands. I mean, to the point that now we started off with uh, one 3,500 square foot suite and now we've got three suites. We started off with one office and now we have four different offices that are throughout there. So, and we will continue to build, you know, um, we've got these great big plans in the future, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you what those plans are and when those plans are going to happen because they're not down on paper yet. And because I haven't strategized it with a team. Once I get it strategized with a team, that's when we will start coming out with a three-month plan, a six-month plan, a year plan, a three-year plan, a five-year plan, whatever the, the people that know how to build things and know how to do the ask and have the connections, uh, once we start seeing what's feasible, because I've got some amazing goals that I want to see happen. And the funny thing is, a lot of the goals that have happened weren't even goals that I talked about. They just happened because, once again, surrounded by amazing people that are doing great things. Right. And we started small. And I believe in that, too. I believe s slow and steady wins the race. And, and maybe that doesn't make me the best community organizer, but it probably makes me one of the most honest community organizers. Because I have never sat there and oversold what we did to anybody. I have never sat there and said, you know, hey, this is going to happen and this is the date it's going to happen. And then it didn't happen. Right. I've never said, hey, we're going to have this event and people need to be there and then didn't have the event um, without canceling it. We did that one time. We had one event that we did that for and we canceled it six weeks in advance. Right. We didn't cancel it the week before. We canceled it six weeks in advance because that's how I want to build people up. I want people to know that when I say something's going to happen, that it happens. So and then uh, I had listed those on uh, Facebook and somebody else, um, um, 
had mentioned, uh, what was it? Was it integrity? Had mentioned integrity wasn't on that list. And I was like, you're, you're right, it's not on that list. Even though I feel that it's kind of woven throughout that entire list. But uh, to me, integrity means being, well, if you look it up, it basically sa- it will basically say that uh, integrity is being honest and it is uh, operating with a moral and ethical code. Um, how can you not do those things? I mean, to me, it's ridiculous to even think of being an organizer without doing those things, right? Without being honest. So what does honest mean? Honest means uh, that you do what you say. Uh even during the hard times, that you still do what you say and that you make the tough decisions and you let people know why those decisions are made. Um, It means that, like I said, you don't overshoot things. Um, It means that you sit there and you operate by a code of ethics. And that's the cool thing. I have multiple codes of ethics. So um, I've got lesser ones, in my opinion, doing the right thing when nobody is looking. Absolutely, Kyle. That is absolutely true. And the funny thing is, if you do the right thing when nobody's looking, that means you're always doing the right thing when people are looking. Uh, That's how you build a reputation. And that's another thing that a community organizer needs, right? Um, An organizer needs to ensure that they are surrounding themselves with these amazing people that are going to show these exact same attributes. And on occasion, you know what? Sometimes that's not going to happen. I may have people, uh, you may have people as a community organizer that may let you down. That is a possibility. But I will tell you this. As a community organizer, you should always hold yourself to a higher standard than you expect everybody else. If I expect people to be on time, then I need to be early. If I expect people to do something when they say they're going to do it, then I need to make sure that I do everything when I say I'm going to do it. And to me, that right there is probably the key to uh, of, of integrity, right? Doing what you say you're going to do when you're going to when you said you're going to do it. <clears throat> and it's also uh, making sure that whatever those ethical codes that you have that need to be followed, that you follow them. So, and morals, I don't even know where to begin with morals. Because I think different people are going to have different moral codes. What I mean by that is, like, I don't cuss, but I don't think that you're not a moral person if you cuss, right? So you may act with different morals than I do. I think there's some that are universal, though, right? We don't sleep with the people we work with. I mean, that one right there is pretty dead set whenever it comes to the behavioral health field. Uh, Let's see. Also, I don't think it needs to be said, but we don't take advantage of the people that we work with, right? Um. And that's another thing that we really need to be careful of. You know, um, I've had people that were really good at that. Uh, I remember uh, doing practicums in grad school. And I remember uh, my first practicum was an unpaid practicum. And it was not great. But for my master's, I needed that, right? A practicum was something I absolutely needed because I couldn't even get my degree without Right, I couldn't get certified. Now, I mean, even when we started our place, you know, maybe I'll go to that. Maybe that's a better place to go to. You know, we started the center. Um, we didn't pay people whenever we were paying all the bills. 
None of us got paid. In fact, uh, it was money out of our pocket. You know, um, I would say the first year, not the first year, it was probably the third or fourth year that we had Better Life and Recovery going. I remember somebody asking me what I got paid. And I was like, I don't know. I probably got paid six, $7,000 this year. And they're like, you got paid six, $7,000. And I was like, oh no, I said that wrong. I paid six, $7,000 out of my pocket this year to build up the uh, nonprofit and to make sure that there was stuff there uh, at functions that we had whenever we couldn't get stuff funded. And uh, when people could have tickets when they couldn't afford to go. Of course, I got chewed out for that by by my mentor who was like, if you're building a nonprofit, you shouldn't be paying for stuff. He said, that's not how you function as a nonprofit and still raise a family. You know, so everything was volunteer when we first started. Now, when we started getting paid, guess what? If I'm going to get paid, if our organization's going to get paid, then I'm going to pay the people working for me. That's what I'm going to do. I mean, that's just an ethical thing for me to do is make sure that people get money in their pocket for work that they have when we're getting money in our pocket. Now, before we got paid, that wasn't happening. And like I said, we had some amazing people that were there volunteering tons of hours. So anyway, I'm probably rambling and that's why. Super tired, lots of things going on. But I tell you what, that's where passion, being committed, being determined, being persistent comes in is the fact that I am going to run and run and run. And when I have chances for vacations, I'm going to take them. You know, today I went with my family and one of my friends and their family, uh, we joined up together and we went to Silver Dollar City, right? Last night we watched UFC fights, ate pizza, played cards. Um, Because we're also supposed to have fun and decompress. The thing is, generally most of the time, now today was an exception, I love it. But even a lot of the stuff I do for fun, like the float trips and everything, are still recovery-based. But you know what? Those are vacations for me. So if you love to float, we've got another float coming up uh, pretty soon. You can go to the Better Life and Recovery Facebook page. Um, You can look it up. We have multiple floats that we're doing this year. I would love to partner with some people. If you're in Kansas City, St. Louis, uh, Jeff City... Uh, Cape Girardeau, you know, any of those areas, uh, Hannibal, if there's rivers in your area, and I just say those places because I know that I've got friends that are listening right now from there. If you're from any of those places and you want to get a group of people together, I will bring a group from here and we'll meet up, right? I mean, we're already doing, we just did, uh, the Niangua, uh, we've got the 11 points coming up. We've got a couple different ones on the James river, including our really big one in August, That'll be coming up, and that one we generally have, I don't know, I think the most we've had is about 120 people, and uh, we've had as as few as like 50, 60 for the big one, but like the last one we had, I think we had 17 people at the last one, and that's an amazing opportunity, right, to go out, float, have fun around sober people. Um, We camp out sometimes, other times we just go for a one-day float. The last one we camped out on and it was awesome, and I love staying up till 2, 3 in the morning, playing cards, talking to people, going to bed, talking to those exact same people. Being an organizer, being a leader is one of the hardest things you'll ever do. Uh, I'm big on the Bible. I don't know if you know that. I call that my big book, but in the Bible, what it talks about is the fact that leaders will be judged at a higher standard. So if you're going to put yourself in a leadership role, make sure that you're ready for all of the uh, for the judgment. Make sure that you're ready for it for 
to hold yourself to a higher standard, right? Because that's what we've got to do. So I would never step in that space if I wasn't ready to live my best life. Um, and you know what? Sometimes things are going to happen and you're going to have to ask yourself, why am I in this? Why am I here? Why am I in trouble? Right? Uh, why are these things happening to me? And generally, whenever I've had negative things happen, what I've found is I'm the root problem. I don't sit there. I've tried as a leader to never blame other people for what goes wrong um, because if something goes wrong, it's on me. So, man, don't step into this if you're not ready for it because it's, it can be really difficult. It can be overwhelming. Uh, but, man, for those people that are doing it out there, there's a lot of people that are just killing it, right? They're rocking this recovery thing. They are rocking this community organizer thing. It might not be about recovery. It may be in a mental health space. It, uh, it may be in a uh, support group, uh, grief and loss group. could be in a weight loss group, right? Whatever you're doing, man, if you're trying to rally people around you, take some of the things we've talked about today. Take all of them and make sure every single one of those things fit who you are. In closing, I just want to thank you for listening to the podcast. Please join us every week for new episodes. If you want to connect with us further, if you have any questions, topics you'd like to hear in the future, or maybe you would like to be on the podcast sometime, you can connect with us at betterlifeandrecovery.com. Uh, there's a Better Life and Recovery page on Facebook, or you can uh, we're on Twitter, uh, B-L-I-R underscore N-P-O. Also, this podcast is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about the network at studiodna.media. Thanks a lot. Y'all have a great week. Want to talk about a new movie? Want to talk about an older movie similar or related to that new movie? Check. That's what you can expect from Quality Check Podcast. It's a new podcast on the Studio DNA Network hosted by yours truly, Drew Douglas and Daniel Posey. Every other Tuesday, we'll talk about a new movie and an old movie to see how the film's quality holds up. <laughs>